You're about to experience a new way to thrive in martial arts by exploring who you are, what you love and standing up for what you believe in. It's time to rise because this is where we challenge and say no to outdated industry norms and say yes to change so that we create a healthier, happier and thriving martial arts community. I'm your host, Laurine Zuhake. Welcome to the Rise to Thrive podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of connecting with Philippe Canchado. Philippe is a second degree Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt under Hoka Gracie from Gracie Humaita in Rio de Janeiro, and he's an active competitor. Philippe is the head coach of Gracie Berlin, a large and competitive team at Fenry's gym. To Philippe, creating a healthy and safe gym culture means having many women on mats, a feat that he has and is achieving successfully. He has a big team of women, competitive women, and is growing rapidly. Let's listen and learn Felipe's strategies. Welcome Felipe, welcome to this podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Who are you? How did you end up in Berlin? And tell us a bit about your jiu-jitsu journey. Hi Lauren, thanks for having me. My name is Felipe Cansado. I'm a second-degree Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. I got my black belt at Gracie Maita in Rio de Janeiro under Hoka Gracie. I've been teaching Jiu-Jitsu since 2014, uh, teaching some classes back in Rio. I'm currently the head coach of Gracie Berlin, which started uh, in February 2017. So this has been my main occupation since then. I came to Berlin in 2015, uh, back then, so in, in Rio, I was working as a lawyer, doing jiu-jitsu more as a hobby and teaching classes every now and then, but my wife got a job here in Berlin, and we weren't married at the time, we were just together, and I was with the choice of staying in Rio, with a job that I wasn't actually very happy with and break up with her because it would be very hard to maintain a relationship like this or uh, go together with her here to Berlin and try something new. So for me, it wasn't so hard in terms of a visa because uh, I, my mother is Dutch, so I have the European nationality. So that was something that made it easy. I had some money gathered from my time as a lawyer, so I decided, why not? Let's try. So we came to Berlin. And back then, I was just uh, struggling a lot with uh, language. For example, it was hard to even to Google the gyms that I was supposed to contact to see if there was the opportunity of working as a jiu-jitsu trainer. I learned German and yeah, then uh, found some places to train. And in 2017, I started officially as uh, the head coach of Gracie Berlin, where I am currently. Gracie Berlin is uh, inside trainer's gym. And we've been working there ever since. Thank you. I wanted to ask you because I saw on Smooth Comp indeed that you have the, the nationality Dutch. So I was indeed, I'm Dutch. Oh, okay. So I was very curious. <laughs> yeah. So how, just out of curiosity, how did your mom end up in uh, Rio? Yeah, so my grandfather, he was, um, he was working at a bank at the time. Mm -hmm. So he had to move around a lot. 
and they ended up going to Rio. My mom grew up there, and yeah, I was born there, basically, but uh, since my mom is Dutch, I got to have the Dutch nationality. Do you also speak a little? Yeah, so that's the shame of my life. I don't speak Dutch. My uh, my mom uh, didn't taught me as a kid, and in Brazil, it's very hard for you to to mm-hmm. practice uh, otherwise. So that's something that I still hold my mom accountable for. <laughs> but it's all right. I mean, I I learned German, so it became a lot easier for me to, for example, practice Dutch with my mom. It's kind of similar. So every time I am in, in the Netherlands and I have to present my passport to enter the passport the the, the airport, for example, I am a little bit ashamed. <laughs> well, you know, never say never. I mean, German and Dutch. I mean, there are differences, but it's still like similar. And I think, especially reading, um, you should come by quite well. So yeah, that was one of the mysteries that I wanted to ask you because I was like, hey, yeah, I'm a Dutchie. Yeah, I decided to to put myself as uh, Dutch in Smooth Comp because uh, I was going to compete at AJP World, and so the problem is that I competed at Nogi Europeans in Rome, and then I had to fly to Abu Dhabi the day after, and I wouldn't have time to make for the qualifiers in uh, for the Brazilian qualifiers. Mm-hmm. So the only way that I could compete if I, if I signed up as Dutch and then I could compete in the AGP Worlds on time. Yeah, that's the benefit. Yeah. Cool. So now you're in Fenris and I and I gather that it's uh, that kind of many people want to train Jiu-Jitsu in Fenris. It's even a waiting list. So it's really growing a lot. That's yes. what I gather. And indeed also a big ladies team. So tell me about what made you decide that you were like, okay, I want a strong ladies presence in, in my, my team. So uh, for me, the main thing uh, when I started training with my team was to have a good jujitsu team. And what I mean by that is not a strong one, not many people, but a place where people uh, could train and could, I don't know, pursue whatever objectives they they had, whatever they are. So uh, for me, this is impossible without having a good environment. So every time people come to me and talk about um, what is your main thing here with this team, and I always say that the most important thing for me is to keep the good environment of the of the, the gym. And I think this goes through having women training at the gym. You probably have experienced that where you go to a gym and you enter and there's only men. And that doesn't show a good good vibe. You know, if you see that there's no women there, it's probably because uh, the culture of the gym is not the best. it shows that probably women are not welcome uh, because uh, just to give a, a background, so environment that I was training in Rio was very complicated for women to come in. Every time the, a woman was entering the gym, she was not staying for over two months. And this is something that I wanted to change as a coach because I strongly believe that jiu-jitsu is for everyone. Everyone should have the opportunity to, to practice. So I always try to create this culture of 
accepting everyone, of uh, making the environment the best possible for everyone. So having women in the gym was very important. I remember when my wife went to visit me at my gym in Rio. She said that that was a horrible place. It was uh, only men and scary men and smelly and stuff. I'm not criticizing my gym or anything. It's just the, the situation that we had in Brazil back then. And I think that's improving a lot. Also, I see that from my old gym, how, how things are getting better over there. But when I decided to open my gym, this was something that was very dear to me, that we are able to make it a room where people could enter and feel welcome. And when you see, for example, right now, uh, with the amount of women that we have training on the mat, every time a woman steps in for a trial class, she understands, okay, this is a place where I can feel respected, I can feel welcome. Right. And so for me, it was always like trying to put this culture where women are not going to be harassed when they uh, started training, where they're going to have a safe environment to train. Because I think also having a female training on the mat is a benefit for everyone. One experience that I had in the past when I was a blue belt, uh, I was training with a woman. And since I didn't have the experience, I ended up hurting this woman, and that made me that made me very frustrated at the time. And I think that happened also because I didn't have the experience of training with different people in a different scenario where we're not just every time killing each other. Mm-hmm. And I think today, uh, even lower belts, they're able to train with everyone and understanding whatever role can. Uh, what the role can bring it to you and prioritizing techniques uh, and people train in a intelligent and safer way as well. So that was for me the, the, the main idea. I think it's great because it means that you're already like innovative because usually people come from a gym and they teach the way how they have been taught. That's usually like they take this over. So I think that's really cool and that you also dared to take this step and to make it a, yeah women actually everybody friendly environment so how do you maintain that because like it's always a mini culture um so what are your that you can share with other people like what are your main things when an issue doesn't matter what kind of issue when when it arises i think that the idea is that um, so when i came into this i understand that i have a better knowledge of jiu-jitsu than my students that's why they are my students, uh, that's why they, they pay me to teach them. But one thing that I think it's very important is for people to understand that the fact that you're occupying a higher role in that aspect doesn't mean that you know everything. I usually tell people that I know more about jiu-jitsu than them, but I don't know more about them than them, you know? So I think one of the, the, the ways that I maintain this is to listen to what people have to say, because uh, for me to make, to create a good environment of the gym, I have to understand what people need, what they struggle with. Uh, I cannot say, for example, that I, I understand the struggles that a woman goes when they enter a gym. I can listen to them and try to make my best so I can work around that and make it the best way possible for them. So I think listening is very important. 
right? Understanding what people's needs are. Uh, when someone has a complaint, sometimes that's, I think, difficult to hear when someone comes with a critique, right? But not taking it personal, I think it's very important. And this is something that I have to thank my my previous life as a lawyer. I think that I, this helped me a lot in that regard of when a, a person comes to me with an issue, with something difficult uh, to say, for example, instead of taking that as a negative or a criticism, but I rather try to understand what they have to, to say and see if there's anything to be done about that. What can we do? This is uh, one way. And the other thing I, I sometimes tell people also is uh, not shying away from hard conversations because I had to have a few of them. So we're now, as I said, we have grown a lot. So the more people, the more issues we will have. That's natural. And we had some very uncomfortable situations. And for me, addressing those situations as soon as possible is uh, something very important. Sometimes a little issues, really small. But I think that addressing them when they're like that, this is very important. No matter how, how can I say, how silly they sound. And we had, for example, a situation two weeks ago where I had to intervene and talk to a lot of people. And a person told me, Philippe, I don't think you should bother with that. That's not so important. It's just a few people mm-hmm. complaining about that. I was like, yeah, but that this is the time where we approach to make sure that it doesn't grow bigger. Mm-hmm. And I think this communication is very important also for people to understand uh, boundaries and also understand what the culture of the gym is. And I, with that, I, can, I think I also make myself a little bit uh, more approachable, which is something that I value as well. I think that it is important to have a good communication with your students mm-hmm. in a way that they feel that they can talk to you about difficult situations when they happen as well. Because we had a situation, a very difficult situation in the gym once. And it became a bigger problem because nobody approached me before. And I understand why. I think sometimes it's difficult for uh, a female to approach a man about something that happened. So back then, I I remember uh, I was very sad about people not approaching me with this. So the best way that I could do is I like I gathered the biggest amount of women I could find at the gym at the time. I asked them to mm-hmm. come so I could have a meeting with them. And we discussed the topic. I didn't name names or anything. And I appointed someone, some other, like, was a female instructor that we have at the time. She was kind of the, the person to talk to if they didn't feel comfortable talking to me about that. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is ways that I use to try to maintain the, the, the good environment of the gym. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard work. I think a lot of people say, oh, Philippe, you teach a lot of classes. Yes, I do. But I, to be very honest, I think teaching classes is the easiest part of the job. I think that maintaining people, t- 
talking to them, having difficult conversations. I think this is what actually demands uh, the most of me, like organizing everything in a way that it is fun for everyone. It is it's beneficial for everyone. And at the same time, keeping a high quality jujitsu because, I mean, uh, this is also very necessary for the gym to thrive and for everyone to reach their goals. There's a lot to unpack here. Thank you. I mean, for me, it's like music to my ears. I'm like, yay. Because not every, like I, I went in different <laughs> gyms and um, like I said, or like my husband and I, we opened our own school because it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Indeed, not taking things personal is huge because actually it's a compliment when they dare to come to you with a complaint. Because it is difficult to come with a complaint, especially when they, I think when they're done with you, they will just leave maybe make a scene, but they would just leave. But when they come to you with the complaint, it means that they want to stay. And I think even if it's very difficult, it is a compliment, maybe a bit like a backsided weird compliment is a compliment. And indeed, they give you the opportunity to do something about it. And I think especially with complaints, you can show the strength of your values and like the strength of your gym culture by addressing it, facilitating it when it's possible or to change things around. So others also can see that, ah, Philippe is doing something. So that means if I have something, I can just go to him. And I think that is just what shows the strength. And also what you said about these little things. I think most issues are relatively easy to be solved when you address them head on. But indeed, when you wait for it, even if it's a misunderstanding, they can grow, they can fester and just explode. So it gets really dramatic. And it's something that we also say, like immediately address it. Even if it's super tiny, it's done. It's done. You can move on and indeed continue. And as a Gym owner myself, I also find that teaching the classes, that's like the fun part, but indeed just navigating for us as many parents, our own students with their own challenges and all these things like that is really hard and it takes a lot of practice. And that's something that you don't learn when you just go through the curriculum and you, and you from blue to purple to, you don't learn that. You don't learn how to deal with that. You learn how to practice jujitsu. You maybe learn also how to compete well and this sort of thing, but you don't learn how to have these deal with these interpersonal relations that are definitely not easy. So, and I really liked also that you got the women, spoke with them, and also that you acknowledge that you're not a woman, so you don't know, but just not knowing doesn't mean you cannot imagine it or do something for it. So I think that's really, really, really big. So I understand why many come to you. Yeah, I, I mean, this is something that also... Uh... I try to, to tell people because I have this good relationship with students and we have a very strong uh, respect for one another. But one thing that I say is that it's, it's hard, right? And as you said, you don't learn these things, you develop them. So I made a lot of mistakes as well, you know, like not knowing what to do. Sometimes like people come to, uh, to you with a situation that you never thought about. And even like sometimes you do this teaching a class. I mean, sometimes uh, people come to a question about a specific move that I've never thought about. It's like, yeah, I've been doing this my entire life. I never thought about this specific detail that uh, this position has. And then the next time that I show this move, I'm going to show the move talking about that specific detail that I never thought about. But a student came to me uh, asking so it is the same like with managing people. Sometimes, uh, like I mentioned, I'm a, a white man from Brazil, you know, uh, in a totally different culture and dealing with so many different people from all around the world. You know, we have people on the mat from everywhere and 
it is unrealistic for me to believe that with my current knowledge, I can solve everyone's problem or make the best situation for everyone. So uh, I made a lot of mistakes also in the beginning and listening, I think is, is very important for you to understand what's going on and then try to make the best uh, situation possible. Obviously, like I said, sometimes uh, I had a, I had situations happening on the mat that the person came to me and it was something very serious. And I listened to the person and I honestly said, okay, um, what would be the, the, the best action you thought I would take in this situation? And then obviously I'm going to listen to what this person has to say. I'm going to talk to some other people to understand uh, what would be the best action. The, the situation in the gym is that I take care of my team, but we also have other people. I approach other women uh, in the gym. If something, for example, something happened with the women, I'm going to talk to other women in the gym, other instructors or people with more experience to find out what they have to say about this, what they think. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think that understanding that you will make mistakes is very important, but being open to listen to what people have to say, what they want, what they need, uh, yeah, and taking things seriously because even like I mentioned, sometimes uh, you have silly conversations. I had conversations uh, <laughs> in which I was listening to what the person was telling me, and in my mind, it was like, I don't, I don't believe I'm having this conversation right now. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, it could can be silly for me, but it might be very serious for this person. And it can become a serious problem. So, yeah, addressing this as soon as you can and the best way you can, is, is I think it's one of the main things for you to run a gym. I always tell my friends when they think about opening a gym, it's like the most important thing is to care. Mm -hmm. care about your environment care about your students care about what you teach like because you can be good at jiu-jitsu and there's a lot of good people doing jiu-jitsu but it doesn't mean that they can teach a good class and so care about studying for example right now we're working with uh, open guard specifically with spider lasso i'm not good at spider lasso myself but i care enough to learn as much as i can so i can make people get good at spider lasso and i take pride on having some really good guard players in the gym even though i'm a half guard player myself so this is i think caring about making the best situation possible for everyone i think this is what is the most important thing for a coach yeah i also think indeed that as how we approach jiu-jitsu you want to like learn it's the same coaching is a whole different discipline and it's normal to make mistakes i mean in jiu-jitsu we make mistakes like all the time mm -hmm. but that's like how we learn we, we get shut down we're like okay this didn't work maybe i have to do it differently and i think with coaching it should be the same way it's it's really one of these weird misconceptions that people think oh i'm good at x so teaching it will be easy and i'm like no there are two completely different disciplines yeah so and i think this remaining humble and indeed wanting to learn and to listen like i have friends with short arms i'm compact so things like Darces or uh, are difficult for me to get. I mean, one, once I have them, they're tight because I'm short, but to get into it mm -hmm. is for me hard. But I still learn them because I know I have several students with super long limbs. So I know it would, it may come easy to them. So indeed, it's important, I think, to look at 
the student in front of you and to see indeed what, and I mean, it, it, it widens your own knowledge and game too, both as a practitioner and a coach. So yeah, I think listening, staying humble and indeed showing that you act, that people see like, oh, he's doing something about it. I think even if it's not the most effective solution yet, or even if it was a mistake, but people see that you do something. And I think that is what resonates with many people, that they will feel safe and feel freer to come to you or somebody close associated to you. So let's then move on specifically to the ladies team. Yes. So they're also highly competitive. Yes. I mean, I have through my friend some inside uh, knowledge. So highly competitive. And I mean, usually, uh, you know, in schools, like for one, there are not so many women and they're also not all necessarily a few, but not necessarily. So how do you manage in a way that they just, most of them, as I understand it, um, also so competitive and are just like such a, make such a big part of the team. Yeah. So, uh, for me, like I mentioned, the, the main thing was making the environment of the gym good enough for them to train. And then we move on to the competition part. So I'm a very competitive person myself. I really like to compete and I try to bring this culture also to my students in a way that I don't force anyone to do it. Most of my students don't compete. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I suggest them to do it because I think it's a important experience. It gives you a lot of uh, perspective about your jiu-jitsu. What I usually say is that in the end, people think about this as a sport, as a hobby, but we're learning a martial art. And hopefully, we'll never have to use a martial art in the real world, right? Uh, and so I think that... The competition is the most realistic scenario we're going to encounter, the most stressful scenario that we're going to encounter. And if you start being comfortable in that scenario, I think that says a lot about your jiu-jitsu. So if something happens, which I hope it never happens, but I think that you have a higher chance to perform if you already dealt with the stress of a competition. Not necessarily true, but I think it helps. And so I always try to motivate my students to compete. So I always try to make like the team and trying to, how can I say, suggest people to compete. And then we started also with competition classes. And I try to make the competition classes uh, the more intelligent as possible. Because I see competition classes around where they push people very hard, where people are doing a lot of uh, exercises and stuff and killing each other. And... I have a different view on on competition in that regard. I think that there's a lot more about strategy in competition than actually, um, how can I say, just being really good at jiu-jitsu or like very fit. I think those are things that are going to help a lot. If you have a really good jiu-jitsu, that's going to help a lot in competition. But mm-hmm. I think one misconception that people have is that if you're good at jiu-jitsu, will win. And that's not true. I've say that a lot that I've beaten people that are better than I am and I've lost to people that are worse than I am, technically speaking. Mm-hmm. So for me, the competition classes are very about understanding the scenarios that we're going to encounter in uh, competition and the best way to work with them regardless of the strategy you have. So it doesn't mean, for example, that oh, uh, I'm going to say, for example, I pull guard, I pull half guard. Uh, I don't expect anyone to pull half guard. I think I just work in scenarios that whatever strategy you have, make sure that you're doing it this way, thinking about this and understanding the variables that will happen in a in a in a fight. Right? It's uh, it's very dynamic. 
So I think in this way, we're able to bring a lot of people, even people that didn't want to compete, but they were interested about this aspect. And also, so a lot of women were interested in that. And then it was kind of like, oh, this is fun. I mm -hmm. I think uh, it would be fun to try. So then I started bringing them to, bringing everyone actually, not just like everybody in the gym to competitions. And we were always like creating this good vibe. And I was trying to make it in a way that finding a balance as well in terms of mindset for competitions, because uh I think that sometimes this could be a little bit overwhelming, especially for people when they start competing. It's not something easy. It isn't easy for me. I can, so for a white belt doing their first competition is obviously uh, complicated. So I tried to always tell them also not to focus on results, but mostly focus on their performance because we don't actually control results. We wish we could, but... Realistically speaking, we can control performance, but not the results. Uh, I was always telling them to think about strategy, right? Whatever strategy you have, make sure that's a cohesive strategy, not simply like I say, sometimes people come to me as like, ah, Felipe, you want to take down. I was like, good, nice. And, and, and after that, what is what is the idea, you know, like, or what takedowns do you want to do? And, and this is, I think that people, I motivate people to think those stuff through. And I think having a strategy, for example, uh, understanding that you're just focused on performing and not just on winning or losing and stuff. I think this makes people more comfortable and confident when they go to a competition and it doesn't, put so much pressure on them. So I try to create an environment where competition is something that it is fun. We want to give our best, but at the same time, stressing out that it's just a jiu-jitsu competition. I mean, everyone in the gym has a different life outside of jiu-jitsu. So whether they win or lose, their lives remain the same <laughs> afterwards. So I think this was, uh, this created a situation, environment where people were actually interested in competition. And when it comes to women, I, uh, I never really liked female-only class because I think that's, that's not helping anyone in regards of developing a good culture in the gym. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to competition, I think that that's very important. So every competition class I run, I separate males and females because I think this is a realistic approach to a competition, right? For example, when we're doing a specific exercise, let's say we start from close guard and the person from the close guard is losing, so they have to work. The person from top is winning, so understanding how to work with that advantage. So even though there's a strategic side of that and understanding the situation, people will do their best. They will roll hard. And I try to make the situation as realistic as possible. So it makes sense. I try to pair up people in the same size, uh, well, similar size, at least similar skill levels. So that's why I always think that it's interesting to divide males and females in classes. So because that's how they're going to compete. They're going to compete with other males and other females. And so it started to develop, and we started having a lot more uh, women. We started going to a lot more competitions. And so the females started being more active in that regard. 
they were seeing the, the women that are competing, so they wanted to compete as well. Mm-hmm. And in the end, uh, we started having just a female competition team. They're called Fight Club. It's kind of like a, a group inside uh, Gracie Berlin. Uh, so they run their, their own classes. And right now, also, like, I try not to stay. Uh, I am involved in a sense that I make things possible, everything that happens, I address it. But I also like the fact that we have uh, women instructing those classes because, um, first of all, they have enough experience to do that. They have shown uh, results and they have done many competitions, so they are competent to, to do that. But also, again, with that topic that we said before, yeah, it is not realistic for me to say that I understand the struggles that women undergo in competition, right? Most of the times, I'm double the size of the women competing in the gym. So it is a very different approach to competition. And I think that it's also much more comfortable for other women to approach when they see that there is a women, a woman uh, running a, com- a women's competition team. So, yeah, and now, I mean, the Fight Club has become pretty pretty big. I think yesterday, for example, there were over 20 uh, female training at the gym. I think it was over 20. It was very nice. And yeah, uh, they are by far showing the best results in the in the gym. Like we have already a few European titles and all of the European titles that we have in the gym come from the from the female team. Right. So they're showing pretty pretty good results and not only that, like pretty good performance and also the most important thing for me, right? Because this is nice. I always say that it's nice that they win, that they do well and stuff, but they have a really nice culture going on and supporting each other. And even the ones that don't compete, they want to support the ones that do so they can perform the best. So yeah, it's uh, it's doing it's doing pretty well. I'm super proud of them. Yeah, that is something to be proud of because it's just it's not easy. It's like one of the main things that people just talk about. They are like, okay, so healthy gym culture means that there are enough women, but how do we get the women, right? And like, I have a few things to say, like regarding like ladies only. It's like, I see what you mean. And I'm also like, for me, a ladies only class is just for women that find it hard to start so that they can start. And then as soon as they feel comfortable, then they go to the mixed classes. Because for some, if depending on what kind of trauma, what kind of background they come, maybe they just don't even want to, or they can't yet to train, even if it's just technique, right? Nothing pressure and uh, training with men is maybe sometimes hard, even though they still want to do it. So sometimes a, a ladies only class, or even if it's just like a few times or whatever, it's just like a nice way to get them into it, that they start to learn what it's about because jujitsu on its own is already overwhelming. I mean, it takes a few classes before you kind of understand where you want to be and where you don't want to be. Not that you necessarily can do much about it in the beginning, but at least you have an understanding. But it takes a few classes. What I've noticed is that for some women, training with women only and indeed having female teachers is just a way for them to just calm down and start to trust it, that it's a safe space. And usually it doesn't take long before they also... I mean, when you have a safe space, then people dare to get out of their comfort zone, which means it's easier for them then to also go to the mixed classes. So it's just as a, a thing what I've observed um, time and time again, not saying you must do anything, but just something to think about because indeed the, late, the Fight Club is really specifically competition, which I think is awesome because I'm super jealous. <laughs> I wish I had that <laughs> in a good way, jealous. 
Yeah. And another thing that I also found funny, what you said indeed, is like a strategy, like, oh, I want to do a takedown. What we usually do before competition is uh, we have a, um, a questionnaire and we give that to the student and we give them questions, what they would do that helps them figure out what their strategy would be, what their game plan would be. And what is super funny is that sometimes when you ask them, you know, what's your favorite way to get to the ground, whether it's a takedown or a guard pool. And sometimes they have like a takedown, which you will end on top. But the rest of their game, what they write down, is all basically guard. So then I'm like, <laughs> there's a discrepancy here. So it also in that way makes them think because, and we can also ask them like specific questions when we realize like, okay, they like to play that. I'm like, well, when you really like to play guard, then a guard pool would make more sense. Or if you like a guard pool, but you kind of want to be on top, then you need to have immediately sweep something that you get at on top. But you have to figure this out, how to make it watertight. And I realized like these questionnaires are super funny also because they're like, <laughs> my game doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> Sometimes they came to us and it's like, um, help. <laughs> so I think that is really also a fun, fun approach. So then let's continue like to mindset. Because indeed, as you said, I experienced it too. I lost from people that were um, not as technical, but they just, you know, they won, they got the win. And sometimes I also won from people I didn't think I could even win. So when it comes to mindset, and especially when you go to a competition, especially because you have such a big team, how do you manage? Because you can't coach everyone. So do you have specific coaches? Do they, do they also work? Like how, how do you do that? Yeah. Uh, so first of all, uh, I appreciate the, the idea about the women class. So this is, I think it's interesting to hear other perspectives as well. Uh, we have also female instructors in the gym, so I think this is also important for people to arrive in the gym for the first time. And the good thing that uh, also, like, we have um, usually a lot of women in the class, so when a woman enters, they're usually also pretty welcomed uh, by the other women. But I totally understand what you're saying. Appreciate that. Uh, in terms of mindset for competition, I think that what is the struggle is to understand what everyone needs because we have like for example last europeans we went with uh, 20 people to paris mm -hmm. which considering that people took time away from their jobs from their families and stuff to go to another country to fight different people in a different space mm -hmm. i think that that's uh, that's not an easy thing to do and the thing is uh, you will deal with very different people uh, and understanding how you can be the best for them at that very specific moment is uh, what is struggling. So knowing how to talk to them and mm -hmm. getting a feeling of where they at, what you're supposed to do. Some people you have to actually push them. Some people you have to calm down. Some people you, they're just like really ready and you're just like, there for them. Some some people just don't say anything, and just being uh, around is going to be important. Mm -hmm. uh, what I usually tell people in in terms of uh, going to competition is that I try to make them as comfortable as possible with their current situation because I see a lot of people that they go to competition thinking about what they don't have, and that's very problematic. If you think. Ah, if I land in half guard, then I'm done because I don't know what to do from half guard. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them that we always have time to improve our jujitsu. But if the competition is next week, 
I'm always telling you, like, first of all, let's make the best out of this situation that we have. Like, the competition is next week. You're not going to develop a game for next week. That's unrealistic. So let's make your strategy the best way possible for this competition so you don't end up in this position. And if you end up in this position, we're going to find a simple solution for you to get out of this situation and then put yourself in a, in a good one so you can work. So what I tell them is that develop a strategy, like I mentioned before. I think this is very necessary. It's the same thing like if you want to do a presentation and you don't have anything prepared, there's a good chance that you will do badly and say inappropriate things. Uh, so this having a strategy thing is something that I value a lot and I tell people to practice and to understand, okay, after I do this, I'm going to do that. I see a mistake that a lot of people do is they get a sweep and they're just thinking about, I'm going to sweep. But then you sweep and now your opponent has guard and now you're being attacked and you can get swept back or you can get submitted or you're back taken. So I always tell them, like, make sure that your strategy is aiming for good control positions, right? So you're going to sweep. When you sweep, you're already passing the guard if you don't land in a control position. So passing the guard, so then you stop in side control and then there's a position that you can rest, right? Um, or mount or whatever for that reason. So the strategy thing is very important. I tell them also to try to find a balance uh, in a way that, they take it seriously because, again, they're committing themselves to that. They train very hard. You know, like I mentioned, they're not around family and job and stuff, so they put a lot of work. But don't let this jeopardize their performance in the sense that they take it so seriously that they're nervous, that they're thinking that it's bigger than it actually is. So I always tell them, give your best, but understand that when you're losing, things are not really going to change for you. So it is a jiu-jitsu competition. It can be, I don't know, EDCC Worlds. It is still a jiu-jitsu competition. You know, yeah. you have, you know, as grown-ups, we deal with way bigger matters than that. So I try to put them uh, in that area as well where, like, try to just focus on doing your best and things are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Always tell them also that whatever techniques you have or you, the jiu-jitsu that you have has to be enough for a good performance. Because, again, I think that thinking about what you don't have is just going to make you anxious and nervous and stuff. So trusting the techniques that you have is very important. When I come to a competition, I always have the mindset that it doesn't matter if my opponent uh, has really good takedowns or if my opponent is a really good guard player. My opponent is going to end up inside my half guard. And if he's inside my half guard, I'm going to do my best and my, my opponent won't be able to, to do anything from there because I trust my, my game a lot. So I think that having this confidence is, is, is something that is very important. And then, so when it comes to coaching someone, people are going to have different requests. And I usually ask them, like, what do you prefer in terms of coaching? Do you want me to leave you alone and just tell you the time and the points? Or do you want me to be a little bit more hands-on? Do you want me to be a little bit more energetic? Or do you want me a little bit more calm? I like to have this feedback from people because not everybody will respond the same. Mm-hmm. Also, I think that having a feeling of the person right before the match is something that is 
at the same time difficult, but also very interesting, you know, to see, okay, what is the best way that I can approach this person right now? You see, there are people who are ready and then I'm like, okay, it's now you have it, just do yours and things are going to be fine. And you see people that are very nervous and stuff. So you're just trying to calm them down. Some people that are really pumped and then you just like go with it. So I think that uh, having this idea is uh, is important to adapt to the needs of your students. And regarding coaching, sometimes it's complicated for me to coach everyone because let's face it, people sometimes they are competing at the same time. So since we have uh, instructors running Fight Club and we have other experienced people in the gym, they help me a lot with that. So they also prepare to coach. They know how to do it the best way possible. And in the end, I think for the person competing, the most important thing is to have the support, to know that they have someone supporting them, someone next to them. And I think that that this is, is I think the best approach when it comes to, to competition. And yeah, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of my voice. Usually at the end of the competition, I cannot speak anymore. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's very nice. Yeah, I have the same, like I have this Fitbit and you see, even if I don't move, it's it says like I'm like in fat burning mode because my heart rate is so high because, you know, you're yes. just like, ah, also for your students. It's so funny when I looked and I'm like, what? I hardly moved. I just moved from one mat to the other, but that was like all the movement. So it is. Yes. And also my voice is also very quickly gone. So I feel your struggle. Yeah. I think it's just indeed so important that people feel supported what I find always so fascinating is when we as a team go to a competition regardless of result when they come back the whole level is so much higher um, just from a competition and that also translates into the students that don't necessarily compete but they then all of a sudden have better training partners because they bring back all these new found yeah experience and knowledge and even I mean I remember for myself like when I was baby blue I just got my blue belt two months later I went to competition and as always I always had to fight a higher weight class because there was nobody for me mm-hmm. and I was uh, competing against a lady who was like, got her purple after that. So she was high, I was low. And the whole match, so including me walking on the mats, saying hello to the ref, saying hello to her and me tapping was 20 seconds. (laughs) It was like the whole thing. So it was, I don't know. She just did this amazing guard pull where she catapulted me in a triangle. And as I was trying to defend the triangle, she slapped on like the arm bar. And people said to me like, oh, don't be, um, don't feel sad and everything. And I was like, I don't, because for one, I found so inspiring just to feel just the power of her guard pool, like how she just catapulted me in this triangle. And I realized that the next time I was on the mats, even though it lasted like 20 seconds, the whole thing, I was already better. My guard pool got better myself. And I just already, just from that, I just got better. It may sound very weird because it was so short, but it was so intense. And that's also what I always say to my students is like winning or losing next time you're on the mat, you are already a better grappler. And um, yeah, I know this is also in the team itself and they come back that they just raise the overall level every time they go to a competition. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I really like this example that you brought because the thing is, for example, your fight lasted 20 seconds and it's obviously not nice to lose. Nobody wants to lose. But I think that a common misconception that people have is that the competition uh, is about those 20 seconds that you experience, and it's actually not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tell them that 
even if you, for, for example, if you go somewhere, you compete and you, you lose, let's say in the first fight, all the time that you put, all the work that you put into that competition made you a better grappler, you know? Mm-hmm. So you probably train more, you train more intelligently, you decide, you define strategy, you dealt with harder training and you were committed to that. You maybe exercise more. You maybe went on a diet. So, I mean, all this made you a better grappler overall. You took care of yourself a little bit better. I mm-hmm. am someone that uh, I like to eat a lot. That's <laughs> my main uh, problems. But every time that I have to go to a competition, I have to actually focus myself and, and uh, how can I say, and discipline myself to have the best performance I can have. So, I take this all as uh, as an upside of competing. It doesn't matter if I'm going to win or I'm going to lose. I won a lot. I lost a lot. But in the end, I think the overall experience, this is uh, what is actually important, is how this can make me better. And mm-hmm. it, this is, I think, some people uh, make the mistake of focusing too much on results. And I think this can be frustrating on both sides. Because if you lose, then you think that everything that you dedicated yourself was uh, worthless, and that's not true. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you win, and I don't know. For me personally, like winning is this awesome rush; it's very nice, but it doesn't last that long. And then some people get the feeling of like, oh, I, I, I trained so hard, I won, it was very nice, but what now, you know? And I think that understanding that competing has a lot more to do with your overall uh, development than actually getting a medal. I think this is something that uh, I try to put in my students' minds because then people actually enjoy it and actually see the value in competition, not just about uh, winning or losing. Yeah, you just redefine what success looks like. You know, success doesn't mean having a medal. It's nice. But success is indeed that you show (laughs) up, you keep on, you know, keep on working for it. And I think What's also important, what I also noticed that many people, when they lose, they feel like they um, kind of dishonored the team or they made people unhappy. And I think that's really one that more coaches should address at times that, no, you do not. When you lose, it doesn't mean that um, you're now, you know, you shamed your academy or something. But I hear this relatively often that people like feel that. And I think it's something that coaches can relatively easy take away by saying like, no, we're already super proud that you compete in the first place because many don't. Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. I, I, to be honest, this is something that is a little bit uh, scary for me when they come to me with that. Oh, I I don't want to shame my, my team or my friends. Uh, it's like, look, first of all, uh, you're doing this for you. This is something that I try to tell people as well. Sometimes it's a little bit hard, but I usually say that no matter what happens, uh, we will love you the same way before or afterwards, it's fine. And I try to tell people that they're competing for themselves. They're doing this because they want to, because they like it. This is the thing that sometimes uh, is hard for people to realize, but in reality, nobody really cares, you know? So Mm -hmm. what I say Mm -hmm. is that if you win or if you lose, I will be happy or sad for you at that time. But in the end of the day, I'm going to go home and I'm going to continue my life just as normal. You know, you're the one who is actually going to 
go through that experience and live through the strong emotions. So don't think about anyone. You know, think about you. You're doing this for you because you want it, because you prepared, right? I think it's very it's a very big problem when you try to condense someone's worth in terms of their achievements. So if a person shows up to train, dedicates himself, uh, put themselves in, like pay the fee, uh, go to that stressful environment, uh, fight a person that they did never see in their lives, you know, like in front of a bunch of people with a lot of screams and stuff, subject, for example, to referee mistakes, which happens all the time. And this person has done a lot already. You know, so I tell them, I'm already super proud that you're here, that you're dedicating yourself, that you're putting yourselves on, on, on that situation. So please don't worry about what anyone is going to think, because what matters is you. You're the one actually there doing your best. People will love you no matter what. And if they don't, uh, I mean, if someone is like mad at you because you lost or whatever, then... I don't know. It's it doesn't reflect on you at all. It reflects on that other person, you know. So uh, this is something that I tell, try to tell them a lot, so they feel also comfortable with the competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because often the problem is indeed that people couple their metal success to their whole being, and I'm like, no, that's that are two completely different things. Win and lose doesn't say whether you suck or whether you're amazing. What what is your take on like uh, schools that graduate based on competition performance? Because they exist as well. I think it depends a lot on the goals of that student. Uh, I think that having this uh, solely as a standard for promoting someone, I think it's a problem. For example, I have kept people from being promoted because of their overall behavior uh, in the gym. And I told them that it's like I need you to improve in that specific area before I promote you. Mm -hmm. So I take when I promote someone, I always uh, value consistency, obviously knowledge and behavior and this, things are very important. Uh, I think competitions can speed the process. So I think if you have someone that is competing a lot and having really good results and stuff, I think that this person uh, you know, for also for their goals, right? If this person wants to compete, I think that this should be a factor in terms of promoting someone, right? So they can challenge themselves in a higher level. For me, what I also tell people about results is that the win says a lot in terms of their of their skills, right? Because they're able to put their skills uh, to work in a situation that is sometimes not so comfortable. But the loss doesn't say that much. I mean, because there's a lot going on in a, in a competition. So if you lose, it doesn't mean that you have a bad jiu-jitsu. It just uh, mm -hmm. means that, for example, your mindset wasn't the best in that uh, specific moment. Uh, nerves play a, a big role or sometimes it wasn't your day. So I tried to take away the pressure of the loss a lot. And I never kept away uh, someone from being promoted just because they lost a competition. I think that depending on the student, so for example, we had, uh, if you're winning, if, if you're winning worlds, for example, and your goal is to be a, a professional competitor, I think then it makes sense for you to be promoted because, I mean, 
this is your main goal in jiu-jitsu. But when we think as jiu-jitsu as a whole, I think that competition is just a small part of it. And keeping away from being promoted just because uh, they are not doing well in competition, I don't think that that's a good message that you, you send. You know, I don't think that that, how can I say, creates a good environment. I think that you will just uh, have an environment which is based on success, using air quotes here, and, and just like on medals, and that's not realistic. I don't think that that's what jiu-jitsu is about. I was uh, doing a grading recently, and I was telling people how bigger jiu-jitsu is actually than that, right? It's not just about competing or training or doing a really nice move, but it's just about the whole benefit that jiu-jitsu brings to you in terms of social experiences, of health uh, situations, and how it impacts your life for the better. So if your gym just promotes people who win, I think you're sending a really bad message and you're not contributing to jiu-jitsu at all as a whole. All right. So to wrap things up, so if you would say to the listeners who are coaches and are like, okay, I want to have a safer environment and when, you know, also grow the women's team, what would be like the few pointers that you'd be like, okay, start doing this or stop doing that? That's, of course, also a thing. And um, yeah, what would be your message to them? Uh, so I think, like I mentioned, the, the thing that is the most important uh, is for you to care and care about your students, care about what you're teaching, think about what you're doing. I think this is important. Sometimes I teach something and I see that what I'm teaching is not reasoning with people and then taking a look, like not thinking that your students are are not getting, but actually you could be doing something better. What is the best way that you could be teaching this technique? And this also comes to environment uh, in general, right? If something is not going the way that it should, I think you should take a step back and understand that you might be doing something wrong, that the fact that you know a lot about jiu-jitsu doesn't mean that you know a lot about people or managing people. And, you know, try to listen, try to see what's going on. Having uncomfortable conversations is obviously not something we want to, but it's going to be necessary. And it's one of those things that is going to make the overall experience a lot better for everyone. Um, I think that addressing scenarios like if you see, let's say we start having women in the gym, they start feeling comfortable and you see men behaving inappropriately with them, Address that. Be that annoying guy to make them think about what they're doing, right? To show how wrong this uh, this behavior is and stuff, and not just uh, ignoring this and letting it slide. Because sometimes I, I we hear this stupid sentence like "Ah, boys will be boys," and that's not true. What is wrong is wrong, and approach that, and don't simply uh, uh, how can I say ignore small problems because they will turn into big problems and then it can harm your your gym a lot. So understanding that having a good environment for the gym is the only way that people will be happy and able to pursue whatever goals that they have. So I think that this is uh, something that is very important. I mean, to understand that the fact that you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu doesn't mean that you're black belt in any other area, that you don't know more about stuff than 
the other people. You just have been practicing this for longer and you know more about jujitsu, but it doesn't mean that you're all-knowing being that should be giving advice on other areas that you're actually not competent. All right. Very last question. What is your favorite quote or question? So I was uh, thinking about this, and honestly, uh, the the one that comes to my mind is always uh, from Dory in Finding Nemo. It just keeps swimming. <laughs> I really mm-hmm. like this uh, this quote because I think it's uh, it's simple and says a, a strong message, right? And in terms of like, just keep going. Uh, we will find struggles. Things will be hard, but let's keep going understand the mistakes trying to make it better and just let's keep going all right let's keep going so thank you very much Philippe. just a question for the listeners are you also open for seminars and this sort of thing can they shoot you a message if they wish yes yes so they can contact me through instagram is at felipe cancado bjj i'm open for seminars for talks for privates uh, always uh, willing to talk to other people. Uh, So yeah, whatever message they want to send, I'm happy to to talk about it. All right, in the show notes, I will add your details. Thank you very much. And I wish you a lovely day. Thank you very much, Laura, for the invite. Thank you so much, Philippe, for this wonderful conversation full of insights. I'm sure many a coach will find your perspectives most useful. Do you want to get in touch with Philippe for seminars, for privates, or just to have a talk with him? Check his details in the show notes below.